Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's the weekend. It's the weekend. And more from the Dopey Millennials show is on. As a millennial, I'm part of the most advanced crop of humans that our species has ever seen. From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennial Show. I'm Caleb Johnson, here with you for about another 45 minutes or so till we get you ready for Lions and Cowboys tonight. I kid you not, they scored since the last time we talked. Georgia is now up 62, or six, excuse me, 63 to 3. So what? We, we Last time, national championship, 65, what am I forgetting? Is 65-7? Why am I blanking on that score? It's because I checked out in the what, third quarter. Yeah, it was quarter. like 63 to 7. Um, yeah, and so now, so 65-7, and now we're dealing with 63-3 to with 12 minutes to play in the fourth quarter. So uh, if you're a Georgia fan, you know, like me, uh, you'll, uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about this one. However, we're about to bring in on the wadefor.com hotline a guy who is not a Georgia fan, a very well-known Michigan guy who uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit in a, in a bit in this conversation, but Brad Rowland who, uh, of course, is the the man on uh, a host of Locked On Hawks. Uh, you can follow Brad on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I'm still going to. At BT Roland. And uh, Brad also does a, a really good write-up as well on Patreon uh, that you can follow as well. Uh, Brad, first off, how you doing, man? I'm living the dream. You're trying to get me in trouble with uh, with Georgia fans. My Michigan, my Michigan fan, I'm right off the top. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, look, I do the same thing to Joe Patrick, who is a uh, well-known Ohio State fan. It's like, just live your truth, man. Be, you know, be, <laughs> be, be your fan. But, uh, uh, yeah, so like I said, I, I know you've got some, some things that you're probably either excited for or very nervous for coming up on Monday. However, Brad, uh, I want to get into a conversation on the Hawks, who are in the midst of this four-game losing streak, uh, as you have obviously detailed on on Twitter as well as your podcast, the fact that uh, double-digit leads in each of these last four games. Brad, what are you kind of – is there a common issue that you've seen uh, that the Hawks have had across these four games or maybe even extending further back than that, or is it really just kind of like individual things in, in each of these games? 
It's a little bit of both. I, I think that, that generally speaking, the team's problem is still its defense and the inability to get stops in really the whole game, but especially in key moments. Now, that doesn't necessarily apply to what happened on Friday night when they just simply just couldn't score. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was a bit of a strange um, – even in comparison to the, to the other three losses that you just talked about, uh, you rarely see this Hawks team go as quiet – um, and as brutal as they did on offense for as long as they did against the Kings, especially against a pretty bad defensive team in the Kings. So that was kind of, it was kind of an outlier, but at the same time, it kind of builds on the rest of it because I don't know about you. It, it almost felt like the Hawks got a little bit tight. Like they didn't want it to happen again. And some of that stuff is unquantifiable. You could, you could, you can't really tell, but I know like the talked about it last, last night after the game. And um, they're just, they, they're a little bit in their heads. It feels like at this point. So I think generally still it's the defense for me that worries me on a nightly basis. But um, whenever this team stops making shots, it can get kind of ugly. And we've kind of seen that at pretty bad times for the last four games in a row. But Brad, I guess kind of piggybacking off that, the fact that it, it has been, you know, defensive issues for this team, it feels like, you know, I guess, how do you explain when the fan base goes, oh, but you brought in Quinn Snyder. Isn't he supposed to be this big defensive genius to <laughs> fix it all? Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I, I do understand. What, we, you bring in a new coach, and especially because, look, the Hawks didn't do much to change their roster in a positive direction this summer, and a lot of the messaging was, like, they're they're hoping on internal improvement and also a full season from Quinn Snyder. And if that's the messaging that you put to your fans, and that's what the Hawks have been saying, both you know, in front of microphones and behind the scenes, all that stuff, and then you come out and you start 12-19, and 19, the fans are going to get a little bit murmury, and I, I totally get that. So, um, you know, is, is it all about the coaching staff? No, I think I've said this a lot, but this team's defensive talent is just not very good. I mean, up and down the roster, you can kind of, let's just say, on, on one hand, uh, name the guys that I would describe as above-average defenders on this roster, and you wouldn't need your entire hand. So it's one of those things where talent still matters in the NBA. Yes, you want to play hard. Yes, that you know, a lot, of the, a lot about defense is about effort and will and all those things but at this level at the nba level you also need defensive talent you need size you need burst all those things and the hawks don't have defensive talent so yeah maybe they, they should be better than, they, than they've been so far this year but um you'd be kind of hard pressed to find a defense that would have been good from these players no matter who's coaching them. talking with brad roland host of the locked on hawks podcast on the waitford.com hotline uh, Brad, you know, this team goes from missing Jalen for quite some time. So obviously, uh, you know, we, we talk about their defensive issues, a uh, big defensive you know, presence there. Get him back, but get him back as they lose DeAndre Hunter. Uh, do you think that is kind of a, a big contribution? Because I feel like a lot of Hawks fans, you know, discount uh, DeAndre Hunter's abilities, but it feels, at least to me, rather obvious when he's not in that lineup. Yeah, I do think that Hunter is maligned at times, and I, I do understand that too. But I think a lot of what they're missing with Hunter is, A, on, just on defense in general, his size, his, the ability. You know, Quinn Sarkar talks about this a lot. He is their, he's their kind of go-to guy in terms of defending wings. It's, it's Hunter is the number one assignment on those guys most nights. And also, it, it comes down to who's replacing you in the lineup. I mean, that, that's really what, it, for me, where it's kind of an easy thing to kind of identify is that, when he's not there, you're having to play guys that you don't want to play. I, and that means more of Garrison Matthews or more of Patty Mills last night or Wes Matthews <laughs> or you know, even Seth London, who they were trying, who I like a lot, but is a second-round rookie. And those are the guys you have to play more and more minutes as you don't have DeAndre Hunter. So it's not even necessarily that you have to love DeAndre Hunter, but he is notably better 
than the guys behind him in the rotation. So when him when he's not there, you're smaller and you're worse defensively, and those are already issues that you already have. Now, Brad, I want to ask you uh, about a guy who obviously comes back to to practice on Thursday to a lot of our excitement, and AJ Griffin, second year guy, uh, who was you know clearly had a big impact in his first year. Uh, goes away for for personal reasons, comes back, and uh, I didn't think it was realistic for him to just practice a single day on Thursday and and play in uh, Friday's game. But what do you think is is a potential realistic timeline for AJ Griffin maybe being a guy uh, that can be a part of the rotation? Yeah, I agree with you. First of all, I I would have been surprised if he had played on Friday just because he had been gone for so long and what practice was not just kind of you know solve all of that, but you know, once they're beyond that, I know they didn't. They did not practice in between the game on Friday and the game on Sunday because it's an afternoon game. They had to fly mm-hmm. to DC, so it might be similar on on Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, then they may not feel ready to start with AJ out there. But I think that within the next week or so, I think he the certainly the path is there. Again, with with Hunter out, the drop off from Hunter to everybody else is such where uh, it's maybe a little bit easier to even justify playing Griffin. Like even if they're not in love with what he's able to do right now the guys he's compared to are not the most impressive necessarily. And I think in general, you also want to get the, the guy back on the court. I and mean, that's, that's the other thing. AJ has not played well when he has played this year, which is worth noting. But I think that getting him more consistent minutes, he's still such a young guy who you invested a first round pick in and showed a lot of signs last year that you want to have him out there. So I think within the next week, I would expect to probably see him at least for a, a turn or two in the rotation. And if he doesn't play well, then maybe, maybe that'll stop. But I think it would be a good idea to get him back out there. Uh, Brad, I, I talked about it on the broadcast last night that for the last four games, it's been a player with the first letter in his name, D, that has for some reason dominated the Hawks in the second half. It was uh, Duncan Robinson for Miami. It was Desmond Bain for Memphis. It was DeMar DeRozan for Chicago. Then, of course, you know, last night it's De'Aaron Fox for the Kings. Now that the Hawks are heading up to the nation's capital to take on the Wizards, a team that we don't think is very good, please tell me it's not Denny Advija. Is it uh, like it's, <laughs> it's one of those? I just feel like uh, do you do you think that playing this type of a, a Wizards team is a good way to get over the hump and get a win? Yeah, I mean, my inkling is to just mention old friend DeLon Wright, who's on that team, former Hawk, of course. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I, I think that, in general, this is a pretty good spot for the Hawks. Now, I know we said that a lot recently, and it hasn't sure. necessarily mattered. <laughs> but they are they should be favored in the game. The Wizards are 6-25. and That's a bad basketball team. It's a weird game. It's an afternoon game. Like, that might be a little bit sleepy. But at the same time, the Hawks know they've lost four in a row. So, you'd imagine they'll be at least dialed in in a way that some of those teams might not be on a, on a holiday. So, it's a good spot, and I will say the Hawks have done a pretty good job this year, knock on wood, of beating these terrible teams. Now, they've not, all, they've not won a lot of the coin flip games this year, famously. They keep losing all of these coin flip games, but they've done pretty well against the, the dregs of the NBA. So uh, it'd be a bad one to lose, for sure, and I'm sure they know that behind the scenes. Talking with Brad Rowland, host of Locked On Hawks, uh, on the waitfor.com hotline. You can follow Brad on Twitter, at BT Rowland, as well as uh, look for his Patreon where he writes Uh, A lot of great content there. Brad, I want to ask you about your thoughts on on the big blockbuster trade today in the NBA as the the Raptors and Knicks uh, make a move there. And you you finally see one of the pieces in Toronto get moved that, uh, you know, a lot of conversation, even the Hawks had potentially 
you know, I think more more optimistic than anything, wanted to be involved in. But OG Ananubi, Precious Chua, Malachi Flynn get traded to the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly in a second-round pick. What do you think of the trade, and then how do you think this affects uh, the Hawks? Yeah, the big thing is that Toronto finally did something. I mean, I think yeah. that the whole league has been waiting for Toronto to kind of pull the trigger on something and this is the first step, potentially. They, they don't have to move Pascal Siakam, but that's the other name that's, of course, been tied to the Hawks for months and months and months now. I'm not sure it's going to only be the Hawks in terms of bidding for him. <laughs> sure. But I, I think that that's a, a natural reaction if you're a Hawks fan. to be like, all right, what's next? And it's probably going to be Siakam. But the trade itself, I mean, the Knicks got better. I think the Knicks got better. And that's certainly not great for anybody else in the Eastern Conference because they're playing well in general. I like OG Ananobi quite a bit. Toronto... You know, I get why they did what they did. Um, not the most impressive return in the world, but certainly a reasonable one, given like how little control they have on Ananobi. But you know, locally, I, I do think that you know Siakam is some is probably the next domino to fall, and uh, we'll see if the Hawks are ready to buy at twelve and nineteen. I'm not sure if that's going to be the next step, but uh, um, I think the whole league is now looking at, at Pascal and the whole situation. That that's kind of my next question for you, Brad. It's just the fact of you know we're a third of the way through the season. Teams are just you know we so we. It feels like we have now started of teams making some big moves here. Um, you talk about that that 12-19 and 19 record of do we know enough about this Hawks team now uh, for the Hawks to determine whether they should be buyers or sellers right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to look under the hood a little bit and realize, you know, using my level-headedness that this team is not as bad as 12, 12 and 19. I, I do believe that. At the same time, it's kind of hard to sell that because of how bad it's been sure. in recent days. So it, 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 it would look kind of strange for the Hawks to go out and buy in the near future, given where they are. Now, the deadline isn't still for five, six weeks, and I know there was a big deal that happened today, but usually the vast majority of those deals don't only happen until like the last week or two sure. before the deadline. So that will really tell, I think, a lot of people, and especially with the Hawks, what, what they're going to do in terms of buying, selling, or even standing pat. But um, if they're similar, let's just say they're seven games under 500 in a month from now, it's really hard to buy, in my opinion. It doesn't mean they won't do it, but just the optics of that, especially when you're already out picks from, in the future from DeJounte Murray's trade, all that stuff, like, it would just be a weird situation to be going out and buying when you're like the you know, 11th seed in the East and you're just trying to push into the play-in again, and that's not where anybody wants to be. Yeah, now, Brad, I, I want to ask you uh, just one kind of final question off of this idea of, uh, you know, essentially them trying to figure out who they are and going to be taking these next few weeks to do that. Well, after the Washington game, you've got 15 of your next 23 games are at home. Of course, we know their home record so far, 4-9, not very good. How much are you putting that on – opponents and the fact that these home games seem to be sandwiched in between road trips and it's not really been like a, a true home stretch that they've had too often, uh, at least recently, uh, or how much is it that you just think that this team just isn't very good at home this year? Yeah, I think that it's too early to be like, they're just bad at home, but at the same time, they're four and nine. So I get, I get that reaction, but I, it's a good point that you made about how the schedule has kind of unfolded they've not played like a total gauntlet at home, but there have not been a whole lot of layups and they've all kind of been in these one-off games. The schedule coming up is much friendlier. Um, that can be good or bad. And also perhaps if you start to win some games that I'm not saying you shouldn't win, but perhaps you can fool yourself into thinking that everything's, everything's right again. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like that's kind of what you want to guard against is not getting too high or too low, especially as a front office in particular, when you're trying to evaluate, evaluate the big picture, but, yeah, I think that there, there are some wins coming. I don't think the Hawks are going to continue to play at a 4-9 and nine level pace at home. 
they're not that bad. And basically, the only teams that play this badly at home are the, are the real dregs of the league, and the Hawks are not that bad. So they're going to start winning some home games, and there are a lot of them, like you point out. But does that mean you, can, you still can't really erase nine home losses before the end of the year? Like that's just, It's a rough start, and they're going to have to have some more positive variance to kind of overcome it. But I think there will be some wins on the way, and we'll just see how many there are. That is Brad Roland, host of the Locked On Hawks podcast. Once again, follow Brad on social media at BT Roland, as well as find his Patreon. So Brad's telling Hawks fans, hey, at least we're not Detroit, right? Is that, is that <laughs> the, That's what I'm getting from you, Brad? Uh, I, uh, that works. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope you have a happy new year. And uh, I don't know if I can necessarily root for you Wolverines, but I'm hoping for an interesting game on Monday. I would love an interesting game, although I might be dying inside throughout it. But, no, I appreciate you having me as well. Fair enough. All right. When we get back, uh, one final full segment of the Dopey Millennial Show. We're going to do news you can lose, get into some uh, storylines, keep it in the NBA, because I felt like there was an interesting conversation to be had in the NBA that, that came out this week of, um, you know, is it our job as media to protect the players? We'll talk about it next. On the Dopey Millennial Show, Caleb Johnson on Sports Radio 989 The Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back. Let's get back to the show now. It's the Dopey Millennials Show. Get out of your mind! From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Gang, if you let you fly, ain't bad if you got a ride. Big guns and a lot of zip ties. Says she look like me, quit lying. Sports Radio, now I the game and the Odyssey app. It is the Dopey Millennial Show. Caleb Johnson here with you for just a little bit longer. You know, I, I always feel a little bit um, weird whenever an artist, hip hop or not, just like takes something and just kind of like, redoes it again you know because like there's sampling there's sampling 
the way that I think a lot of artists take it and and right flip it and turn it into something mm-hmm. that you didn't even you're like oh wow that was that that sample um but then it feels like the newer trend dom is to do this whole like hey i'm just gonna rip this song <clears throat> yeah. that was really popular and make it my own so, now so sampling is a lost art which is actually one of the reasons why i played this song because i actually like this to me is a good example I of do. a sample yep like this is how you should do a sample you 100%. take a part of it you use it and you make something you create your own thing and that's awesome. And I love what Nikki did with this song. I actually love her album. That being said, there are a lot of younger artists, because we've seen this with people like Flo Millie has done it recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, NLE Choppa had a song like that where he his did is his the version worst. of Hot in Here, which was just terrible. And not, like, I think people samples have gotten lazy, which sucks, because samples is like one of my favorite parts of music. Same. I think it's super cool to like take something and like hear like one part of a melody, and you're like, I can do something different with that. Like, that's really cool to me. That's why, like, I have a deep appreciation for artists like Kanye and Pharrell who can hear stuff and, and create like that. So it's a lost art, but Nikki, shout out to you for knowing how to still use it. I love finding out, like, we are 100% in sync on this, Dom. Yes. It yes. is one of those things that, like, literally I could not have said that entire thing any more perfect because that is exactly how I feel. And it's one of those things that I hate when I have, uh, like, our, our old boss, uh, Sean Thompson, will sometimes uh, text me and be like, oh, did you see this? Like, I can't believe uh-huh. so-and-so, you know, Nelly Choppa when he yeah, did the hot yeah, in here. Yeah. You know, he just bit the whole song from yeah, Nelly that's the and problem. re-released it. So it was <laughs> exactly. terrible, you know. I just, yeah, so I, I can't stand that. Um, but I do love when an artist like Nikki is done this whole album, you're right. She's she's used a lot of samples, Listen, uh, but in new creative ways, and it's fun. It's phenomenal. Listen, I, I I share. I have no problem sharing my fandom for Nicki Minaj. I've been well on record telling people I am a proud Barb. It is okay. I don't <laughs> care. I, I love me some Nicki Minaj. Hey, she's she might be a little crazy when it gets into the, the no, other things. But absolutely. hey, I'm in the same camp with Kanye because like I know Art it's from not, artist type yeah, deal. It's it's not popular to be yeah. a Kanye fan, yeah. but like, hey, I gotta separate the crazy uh-huh. from exactly hey, that music is really good. All right. All right. Uh I wanna do one final update before we get into uh news you can lose. One final update on the Georgia Bulldogs and Florida State Seminoles in tonight's um, Orange Bowl, it is, yes, it has reached the point. Jackson Muschamp is in the game for the Bulldogs. Yes, Jackson Muschamp. You go, interesting. Is he any relation to Will Muschamp, the co-defensive coordinator? Why, yes, he happens to be his son, who is a walk-on at Georgia. This guy should have never seen the field. Should have never seen the field. This season, much less in a in a what should be a, a pretty competitive, you know, what should have been a good bowl game. Like this was the number team, number five team in the country versus the number six team in the country. But separate everything else from. I know the direction you want to go. Of you know, well, they got knocked out of the playoffs, and so what is there to play for? There's pride to play for. There is still something to play for. And yet it is 63 to 3 with a minute to go. And Will Muschamp's son is in the game at quarterback because they've already gone through Gunnar Stockton, or excuse me, they've already gone through Carson Beck and Gunnar Stockton in this one. And so kudos to uh, the Muschamp son getting an opportunity to play in this one. It's been a really good game. Kendall Milton, what a way for him to go out uh, in his career at Georgia. Two touchdowns, 104 yards. 
really just love Kendall Milton and the the type of person that he is, quite honestly. Uh, Lad McConkey got in the end zone as well. Uh, looks like Dominic Lovett caught a pass for a touchdown. Anthony Evans, the third, caught a pass for a touchdown. Arian Smith and Lawson Lucky. So that's all the guys uh, who scored in this one is just Georgia's dominated in a game of they took it more serious and they proved to everyone, hey, this was our opportunity to show that we deserve to be in the uh, college football playoff, and they didn't get that opportunity. All right, now let's get into News You Can Lose. Taking a look at non-sports-related news with news you can lose on the Dopey Millennial Show. All right, something happened this week that was strange. Uh, It started a whole conversation about the role of media, specifically in the NBA Uh, But just the role of media when it comes to sports and um, are we in the business of protecting players, making players look good or just telling the truth and, and, you know, telling it like it is sort of thing. Uh, A a story came out about John Morant. An interview from a year ago came out this week. Now, why is it important that an interview from a year ago came out this week? Because John Morant has just recently come back a week and a half ago from his uh, suspension for 25 games, uh, all of the the off-the-court stuff that, that led to you know him flashing a gun even though it looked like he had never held a gun in his life, um, and then his constant just need to be on someone's social media platform Holding a gun gets him to this point that, um, you know, the whole situation with the Pacers and um, did did he point a gun at someone or threaten someone? Just the whole thing. He's, essentially, Adam Silver went, you're making the league look bad. I'm suspending you 25 games. Um, he he comes back. Wait. What? I'm, I'm sorry, and this is just so off the wall random. Go ahead. You said you're making me look bad, and it made me think of – Courage, the cowardly dog with Eustace putting on the mask and looking at Courage. <laughs> you stupid dog, you make me look bad. Like that's that's just what I had in my mind right that's, now. Hey, but but just waving his fist in the air. How does he look? Is he not a bald man with glasses? You know, <laughs> kinda fits. It kinda does fits. kind of fit. Of like he looked at John and was like, "You're making us look bad." You know, you're making me look bad. And so he suspended him 25 games. Um, just, I think in hopes of like, maybe you will learn that like what you did was actually wrong and grow from it. And so what I found weird though, and this is something that I've talked with other, uh, NBA media about is like, Ja came back and the league was almost like intentionally going, Oh, we want to make you look like the, a shining star. You are you know, you you are Phoenix rising from the ashes of your suspension that you caused and were totally 100%, 100% responsible for. And, you know, just want to go, oh, game winner, first game back. You're you're our star. You're our prize possession back, and we're going to make how, you look. How quickly they forget about all of that when he comes back and the ratings jump back up. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We, this is why we didn't suspend him. <laughs> this is it, why we only suspended him 25 games. Yep. And so – then it's almost like Tom Haverstrow, who's a a, a writer uh, covering the NBA. It was almost like Tom thinking like me going, man, this is really annoying. I'm going to pull up some audio from 2022 that didn't get released. So apparently in a, a, a public interview that happened uh, in 2022, John Morant called referee Ray Acosta 
a hoe, a garden tool. Yes, like we're we are we are that childish. He called the man hoe. I don't know if he was acting like one or not, but regardless, John Morant in an interview that was public referred to this man as a gardening tool, and that audio never got out. Apparently, the reporters who witnessed this decided amongst themselves, eh, we won't release that part of the interview, which has happened before I know with the Hawks. Because, like, I cover the Hawks. We have interviews. Bally is there for Coach Quinn Snyder and a player, uh, but usually that's it. So we've had times before where another player came and spoke and said something, and um, there was no, like, intentionally hiding it. There was just a, meh, there's no need to put this out there because, um, you know, maybe someone was a little bit frustrated. Like, like I, I feel the, the moment of not hiding it was uh, Clint Capella after uh, last night's game was like, we need to talk, argue, fight, something. Like, he was just like, we, do, we need to do something to get us motivated in order to play better. Um, and I wanted to bring up the story with, of John Morant because it was this whole conversation of you know, it was it was almost like Tom Haberstroh in his article, which most of it is is blocked. Um, it's a Substack thing, uh, and I don't subscribe to uh, his content. But it was almost like and and what has come out in the pieces that I that I've been able to see from this. It's like this idea of NBA players should actually. Um, you know, support us media because we're taking care of them. We're 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 trying to not make them look bad, and I don't think anyone is ever uh, intentionally going out of their way, uh, a to make NBA players look bad, but to also like to cover up for them. Um, I just it felt like in this situation and leaked audio from 2022 uh, that this OKC reporter that got this audio of. John Morant calling Ray Acosta a garden tool. Um, it just felt like for for who, for what? Like, or, um, you know, this was a guy expressing his frustration um, that likely would have been turned into a much bigger deal than it should have been. However, um, I know there's been conversations that I've had with other media, and the conversation has been, well, you know, should we tweet this out or should we post this because this could make this player look bad? And I've always been on the like, it's not like they said it. They said it in an open mic in front of everyone. It's not our job to cover this up for them. And quite honestly, a lot of the times when they say stuff like this, they want it to get out because they are expressing their frustration uh, and they want it known how they feel about a particular issue, and they are using the media to get that point across. Because if they went on their own personal social media, everyone would uh, attack them, you know, and be like, oh, I can't believe you did that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I thought it was a weird way of, um, uh, of you know, Tom Habistro kind of being out here like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what us NBA media do for you. Uh, NBA players when it was like, no, like put put the audio out there um, if you think it is impactful to the storyline or what's going on with the team or if this is just this is something that a player has said out loud. Now, it also uh, it leads in the conversation of like, 
Um, you know, if you're in the clubhouse and a player says something out loud, as we got to see with the Braves this year, um, you know, should you be able to report on those things? Right. Like, players know when they are around microphones, and if they are unaware of that, that is on them. Uh, it didn't change the outcome of that Braves and Phillies series, um, and it doesn't change the outcome of how people view John ja Morant. I think it was weird and intentional of almost like reminding people, hey, you know, Ja um, does some really childish and stupid stuff. And it's like, well, no, duh. That's why he got suspended. And I felt like the league, you know, even though it was weird for the league to really kind of go out of their way to, to bring him back to being a poster child for the league, uh, I get it because, you know, they're in the business of making money and he's one of their stars. So, um, just uh, just interesting kind of little little storyline there that I saw this week um, that I don't know I, I wanted to to get my thoughts on just because I I am in those uh, opportunities of interviewing players when I can choose to withhold sound or not and I'm just never in a position where I'm not I'm not looking to uh, make a player look bad I'm not trying to make a player look good. Um, I think, you know, reporters should report the the information and the quotes that they get. And uh, if people have a problem with what a player says, you know, don't say it into a microphone then. All right. We're going to come back, do one quick segment before we turn this over to uh, uh, to Lions and Cowboys tonight. Getting you ready for some NFL action. It is the Dopey Millennial Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. To more of the Dopey Millennials Show. How do real life millennials respond? Those fire. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. So things got so bad during this Orange Bowl game tonight that the Bulldogs won 63-3 over Florida State. Warren Brinson was on Instagram Live in the second half. Now, granted, Brinson by that point was no longer playing in the game, but just the disrespect to be on, on IG Live on the sidelines. I mean, what else am I going to do? Right? I guess over. so. <laughs> I guess so. It, it makes me think of, uh, you know, times in the past, and you've seen, like, a guy eating a hot dog on the sidelines. Yeah. Just uh, just an overall dominant performance from the Georgia Bulldogs tonight. Uh, it feels like them and then the news of of uh, uh, this Braves trade today kept me away. I didn't talk any Falcons this entire show, which um, might say something about the current situation around this Falcons team that we love. We love them, but... And you know, it's, it's, can we can we get a win on? And and then the whole we're in this position of do we want them to win? Like you know because of uh, how it helps the draft stock and all that sort of thing. No, I'm still 
I am always going to be that guy who has, until you have been eliminated from the postseason, I want my guys competing. Unless there is a 0% chance, I want my guys competing. And there's a 15, 15 or 16% chance with a win over Chicago on Sunday that the Falcons could make the postseason. They obviously would need a lot of help, would need to then beat the Saints in the final week of the season, the whole situation. I get it. But uh, I want my guys competing. I want, you know, they want to put their best film out there, obviously, as either, you know, they're trying to stay with the team or look for a new team. Uh, so you never want to put bad film out there, purposely lose, all that kind of stuff that fans really love to, to dive into. But it'll be interesting to see. I think the other thing that uh, Hawks fans, uh, Hawks fans, Falcons fans like me are going to be doing, looking at Justin Fields and going, all right, is this a guy that I would like to see in red and black uh, in a trade? Because the Bears are 100% going to go trade Justin Fields this offseason because they're going to have uh, the top pick. And so uh, I just you just know they're going to go after a young quarterback and that they've decided they're ready to move on from him. And so is that a guy that the Falcons want to go after? Well, they'll get the opportunity to look at him this week as they play in Chicago. All right, what's uh, coming up next? The Lions are at the Cowboys. So you've got the third best offense in the Lions, the 15th best defense in the league in the Lions, and the fifth overall offense in the Cowboys, seventh overall defense in the Cowboys. So uh, Dallas is favored by four and a half in this one. It'll be interesting to see what happens in this Saturday ma- Saturday night matchup. I'm Caleb Johnson here on the Dopey Millennial Show. Really enjoyed our couple of hours. Join me on Monday night, 6 to 10. Me and Dom will be right back here to break it all down of what happened in that Falcons game as well as get you ready for some Hawks and the semifinals games that'll be happening during our broadcast. So for all that, have a good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.